This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On the National Mall, right here in Washington. An exhibition of uh, right in front of the Capitol um, in the National Mall um, is consists of pictures of those who have been killed by the Iran regime since September. Ali Reza Jafarzadi is deputy director of the National Council of the Resistance of Iran. He joins us to talk about Iran's continuing unrest and the killing and hanging, actually, of young people protesting the regime. Also, on this episode, the U.S. is trying to show African leaders that it values their contributions and assistance in dealing with some of the world's toughest issues. Things like addressing the climate crisis, things like uh, future uh, global health concerns, uh, much like the COVID-19 pandemic. Vedant Patel, deputy spokesperson at the State Department, says this is all about opportunities as well. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. We've got two stories for you today. One of the stories is about the African Leadership Summit that's taking place in Washington now. The leaders of 48 nations from Africa are here and they're engaged in discussions about climate change, about social issues, cultural issues, as well as, and and more importantly, perhaps, um, they're talking about trade. They're talking about the future, strategic relations. But our first story, and it's a bit more urgent, is what's happening in Iran. Hundreds of people have been killed since an uprising began there over the killing of a young woman over the way she was wearing her hijab several months ago. And it seems to get worse each and every day. Joining us to talk about what's happening is Ali Reza Jafarzadeh. He's deputy director of the National Council of Resistance of Iran, their Washington office. Ali Reza, there is a very interesting photograph or image behind you. Would you explain what that image is? Um, Yes. uh, Good day, JJ. Great to be uh, with you again. Um, The picture behind me is actually an exhibition of uh, right in front of the Capitol um, in the National Mall. um, It consists of pictures of those who have been killed by the Iran regime since September of 2022, including uh, these two pictures that you see um, that were hanged after they were arrested during the protests, only days after they were arrested. Uh, one of them uh, was killed, um, you know, six days ago, um, Mohsen Shekari, and the other one was killed yesterday.
day uh, by hanging um, in the city of Mashhad. These are the heroes of the protest. They were the ones who um, dared to raise their voice to confront the revolutionary guards, to defend the population. They were very popular among their own uh, you know, neighborhoods and people are treating them as heroes. And then you can see the pictures um, behind that of all the other people who have been killed um, since 1981. There are thousands of the pictures here. You may know just in the summer of 1988, as many as 30,000 political prisoners were murdered by the Iranian regime because they believed in freedom. 90% of those who were killed in summer of 88 belonged to the main Iranian opposition movement known as the Mujahideen Akhal or the MEK. Uh, but also it includes pictures of those who have been killed before that. Uh, it shows, it's, it's a really chilling um, scene of showing the reality of Iran today. On the one hand, you have uh, the cruelty and the barbarism of a regime that knows nothing but killing killing. Uh, to stay in power. And then on the other side, you see the bravery, uh, the resistance, and the a unified voice that is daring to challenge the Ayatollahs. Um, uh, okay, you know, let you me see jump in here. Let me stop you here. I need to ask some questions. Let me jump in. We're, we're short on time today. Um, why do you believe the regime is doing this? Why are they killing these people? Why, why are they hanging these people? What is, what's the message behind this? Well, the message is absolute desperation because, you know, since 89 days ago, um, a nationwide protest has been reignited uh, all over the country in um, over 280 cities in all 31 provinces of Iran. Everything the regime has done uh, has been unsuccessful in putting down the uprising, the protests. Uh, and the reason for it is that there is a deep-rooted divide um, that was built over the past 40 years between the people and the regime. The regime they uh, wants to uh, suppress the population, suppress their voice, okay. their, uh, and the people want freedom. They want their country back. They want their religion back. Right. They want their rights back. And what, what, what they're doing, because they weren't, they weren't successful, they started hanging those who were arrested during the protests. And they started this week, and two of them have already been hanged. But it has had no real impact on the population. The protests continue, including today. Okay, so I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a young soccer player on Iran's national team that is now on this list uh, to be hanged. Is that accurate? And who is this person? Um, well, there, there are a number of um, athletes um, uh, who have been arrested by the Iran regime because they raised their voice against the, uh, um, uh, against the Iran regime, um, including some soccer players. Uh, this player is called Nasr Azadani, who was um, a prominent player in a, in a major club, and, um, and he was also invited to, to play for the national team. But he was um, you know, very vocal. He participated in the demonstration. He defended his own, uh, uh, you know, population, and uh, there are a number of others who were um, who were jailed. Some of them were released. Some more people were arrested. Uh, wrestlers, um, you know, have been arrested, have been jailed uh, because they they sided with the people. So you can see all strata of Iranian society are getting involved, including um, the soccer players or athletes. Do you see any sense at this time? Do you see any any signals at this time, rather, that um, 
there is there is a way to stop this because we've we've spoken about this several times in the last couple of months what yeah. Iran what the regime would do to retaliate and how far they would go do you see any 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 evidence at all that they're they're going to to stop this or, or that they can be stopped well, when it comes to the killings, uh, obviously the regime will not stop them because the, the, uh, what they want, they want to stop the revolt, which is even you know, less likely than anything else. Um, what's really happening in Iran, as I discussed here before, is a very deep-rooted revolution in the making. And, uh, and nothing can really stop it because the people have nothing else to lose. Um, the majority of the people have been one way or other affected by this regime. So they feel that if they pay the price, which they have paid a large price over the years, if they continue to pay the price now because they have really galvanized a lot of support, unified the uh, you know people in Kurdish region, down south in the Arab Khuzestan, you know, the Baluchis, uh, southeast of Iran, the capital Tehran, uh, intellectuals, everybody is getting involved. There is an organized resistance, organized opposition that can direct things, uh, that can steer these, uh, revolve these protests into victory. Um, that's why I, I don't think uh, the regime would, uh, would ever really succeed in, in stopping it. The one, the best way out of it is the victory, which is what the people are looking for, is ending the rule of the Ayatollahs. And I think this is where the outside world can play its role, whether it's Europe or the United States. What they really need to do, they need to make Tehran pay the price for every human rights violation, every person they kill. Um, there has to be a punishment for the Iran regime, whether not just in, in terms of statements or words, but also practical measures, um, sanctions, you know, isolating them, expelling their diplomats, closing down their embassies, um, expelling them from all international bodies, the same way that South Africa was treated, a prior state, that's what they were, the apartheid uh, regime in South Africa. That same treatment needs to, to be dealt with, uh, you know, the Iran regime by the United States, particularly, and European nations. So we have to go, but we will come back to you um, very soon um, to, keep, keep, to keep up with this because the information we're getting from you is far and away much better than anything we're getting from anybody else about this. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for updating us. And um, um, we wish you the best with this. And thank you so much, JJ, for doing your part always to uh, provide information uh, to the outside world. I mean, this is the best we can do by, you know, shedding light on the realities on the ground that would otherwise be unavailable to the American public. Thank you so much. Ali Reza Jefferzadeh is Deputy Director of the National Council of the Resistance of Iran based here in Washington. Our next story today is about a major summit that's happening here in Washington. Leaders from dozens of African countries have gathered here for what Washington is calling the African Leadership Summit. Joining us is Vedant Patel. He's the deputy spokesperson from the State Department, and he's going to explain to us exactly what this is all about. 
What this summit is about is about underscoring uh, the value the U.S. Uh, places on our collaboration uh, with Africa on some of the most uh, pressing global challenges, uh, but also opportunities, things like addressing the climate crisis, things like uh, future uh, global health concerns, uh, much like the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and really, it's also another example of President Biden and Secretary Blinken's commitment to revitalizing uh, our global partnerships and alliances uh, around the world. And that, of course, uh, includes the African continent. So what are we expecting to happen during this summit during I think it's a three day deal? Correct. Correct. Um, it's a it's a it's a three day summit, which uh, with uh, each day you know having a, a different focus uh, of events. Uh, today's uh, had a really important emphasis on civil society uh, and African diaspora, as well as young uh, African leaders. Uh, tomorrow's uh, will have an emphasis on trade uh, and economic issues. Uh, but to widen the aperture a little bit, there are some uh, main objectives that we view. Uh, this leader summit through. And, and they are first to deepen and expand the long-term U.S.-Africa partnership to advance our shared priorities as it relates to, you know, a changing 21st century. Uh, but also it's an opportunity to amplify African voices to collaboratively meet uh, uh, the challenges that our world faces right now. But also, uh, you know, it's an, it's an avenue to leverage the best of America, whether that be U.S. government um, at the federal, state, uh, local level, but also opportunities for the private sector and, as I said, civil society uh, to, to get engaged on this issue as well. Really, this is about a partnership. This is about what the United States uh, and countries on the African continent can do together um, uh, to make our overall world more prosperous. But Don, despite your youthful look, you've been around for a while and you've been in this administration and the one before the, the Obama administration, I believe you served some some time in that administration as well and you have seen the ups and downs of the african u.s relationship i believe why is this important right now to do this right now uh, i actually didn't serve in the obama administration but uh you that 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 does not change my answer and i think what uh the 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 big takeaway here is that uh when president biden came into office one of the first things he tasked secretary blinken to do was to uh rebuild uh, reinvigorate and revitalize uh, our alliances and partnerships uh, around the world uh and that is uh incredibly true as it relates to the african continent as well uh you saw earlier Earlier this year, Secretary Blinken and other State Department leaders visit the African continent, had some great trips. Uh, and this is just another uh, piece of that puzzle uh, as part of our broader engagement strategy with the African continent. And as I said, this is about working hand in hand with uh, the nations who are here uh, at the African Leader Summit to address some of our most pressing challenges, um, uh, making sure that uh, we have economic prosperity across the world, ensuring that countries together are tackling the climate crisis, uh, ensuring that whenever we are faced with the next public health crisis, whether it be a pandemic or something else, that countries are in the best position possible. And we're learning from uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and our country's various responses uh, and implementing some of these best practices. Uh, so really, this is about a partnership uh, and, and the comparative advantage that the United States and these countries can offer when they're working together. 
yeah, you know, forgive me for making that mistake. That's, I guess, what happens when you get older. And no, that's uh, okay. I'm not going to throw it off on that. But at any rate, I'm glad you're here now. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing now. Um, how, how, how did the invitees, how were they chosen? How, how did you decide who you would invite to this? So uh, there was a, a specific set of criteria that we laid out uh, when planning the, the African Leaders Summit. Uh, and I believe the criteria was countries that were in good standing uh, with the African Union uh, and countries that uh, the United States uh, exchanges ambassadors with. And so uh, what really what we're really pleased, though, is that every country that was invited, um, uh, all 48 of them, I believe, uh, have delegations here who are present and will be taking part uh part of this uh, historic uh, multi-day summit how is this event going to i guess smooth the way or prepare the way for the president and your your counter your your your, your colleagues at the state department as you continue to try to move closer um relationship wise with these african countries to bring them into the arena that you want them to be in, in terms of U.S. values and goals, and working with them in terms of theirs when it comes to all of these important elements. How is this summit going to, to pave the way for that? What does it do to help you get there? Look, uh, this summit is rooted in the idea that Africa is a key geopolitical player, and it is one that is not only shaping uh, our current present, but it's also one that's going to shape our future. Uh, and uh, at the end of this, uh, what we hope to do is continue to work in partnership and advance our shared interests at the summit and continue to take steps uh, to build on a U.S.-African partnership that is indicative of the 21st century. Uh, now, I don't want to get ahead of the, uh, the, the next two days of the summit, but I, 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 I'm sure that uh, both, you know, the White House and the National Security Council and the State Department will have uh, a lot of important things to talk about. And really, this is something that did not it did not necessarily start today, and it doesn't stop on Thursday. This is going to uh, ongo. This is going to this engagement is going to uh, be ongoing, and that's why you saw the the White House appoint uh, a special envoy as it relates to the African Leaders Summit, Johnny Carson, to continue this work uh, and to ensure that uh, the um, action items and the metrics that uh, that the delegations decide on this week uh, that that work can continue. When this is over. Uh, the last day and the last speech is given, the last remarks are given, and essentially this is gaveled or essentially uh, ended however it happens. What is going to be the measure of success? You know, uh, the best way to look at it is that this is about what we can do with African nations, and that is going to be uh, the ultimate outcome. We are committed, uh, the U.S. government and the Biden administration is committed to expanding and modernizing our partnerships in Africa and working together to find innovative solutions uh, to new and longstanding challenges and harnessing uh, the best of both continents uh, and investing in uh, long-term uh, sources of strength. Uh, this is about, and the United States is going to focus on what we can do with these countries. Uh, over the course of this administration, we have tried to be very clear uh, about, um, you know, it is not about uh, 
other countries foreign relations with other countries it has always been about uh, the us has just been focused on you know what can a partnership provide and what's the comparative advantage when countries work together hand in hand that's it for this episode of target usa coming up in our next episode whether it's terrorist anarchist cyber criminals or nation states america and its allies have targets on their backs. So coming up in our next episode, we're going to take a look at another issue that's plaguing the U.S. and its allies. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. For nine years, a man terrorized women across the D.C. region. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series, available October 4th on all podcast platforms.